Here we go. Yeah, here we go. All right. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Coach. My name is Greg McNeil, a.k.a. Coach G, owner of Coach's Corner, and one of those guys who um, loves helping people experience joy on the planet. And um, that's who I am. Yep. <laughs> yep. Today. Uh, <laughs> that's who I am today. Yes. I am. I am a person coach who brings clarity, I've discovered. And uh, um, I like doing that because, you know, it's neat to see people where they're like, I don't know where I'm going or what I want. And then just a little bit of nudges here and there. And all of a sudden it all starts falling into place. So um, I like puzzles. That's what I like. Um, human puzzles. Mm-hmm. But uh, owner of Genius Owl Limited Company as well. Um, and I am excited about today's topic because... One of my favorite things to do, Coach, is laugh. I will laugh at myself. I might even laugh at others, unfortunately. I have been known to do that. I apologize That's to all right. of those. I've done that to you, if that offended you. <laughs> and uh, I love to have fun. You know, I it's funny in my family, uh, at least on my dad's side, so the, the Wheeler side, they loved laughing. And... Some of our favorite times were telling stories like my grandpa would always tell the story of a cousin out on the farm and you know they'd all do their chores in the morning and then they'd sit down at this you know big table to eat breakfast and we'll just call him mm-hmm. cousin George okay because I don't know his name. Yeah. Everybody sits down and they're like, "Where's cousin George? I don't know. Last time I saw him, he's out at the you know the pens and blah blah." So. I think it was grandpa, but I'm not sure. He went out to find cousin George and he found cousin George hanging upside down on, you know, the metal round metal, um, like corrals almost that, you know, they weld the fences together and you work the horses. Well, he was hanging upside down with his spurs stuck (laughs) and he couldn't get out. (laughs) And so whoever it was that discovered him, and I'm pretty sure they were laughing so hard they couldn't help him get off the fence. You know what I mean? That's me. A hundred percent. I warn people, do not follow around me. I am not going to be able to help you. You can ask my son, even my son, my own child from my womb. If he did anything like I would be hysterical. I remember one time he fell off of his little skateboard. People are going to think I'm terrible. I do have high psychopathic tendencies, by the way. But he he fell off his skateboard and he had a little bitty cut on his nose. And when he came in to tell me what happened, because he's upset, the image of it cracked me up. And I remember, I'll never forget, he looked at me. He said, you're evil. That's what he told me. He was 10 years old. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I worked really hard not to do that in the future. That's me, coach. I can't help it. So I just, I'd give disclaimers. Well, you know, I, uh, I talk about dropping personal history a lot. And the only reason why I talk about doing that, I said, so that way you don't have to worry about somebody controlling you and walking through your mind space. Well, what does that, that mean, Greg? Well, what that means is that I'm not particularly prone to social custom which is another way of saying if you fall down in front of me, right, and uh, on a on in, in any level, right, 
if you don't get hit and it's a traumatic situation that makes everybody go like, oh my God, I'm likely to say, oh shit, I'm <laughs> laughing at you. Right. right. If I'm you don't have serious in injury, other than that, it's don't expect me to help you get up. It's like, oh, and um, like watching women fall down. It's like, oh, no, you didn't. We're not supposed to you do that. You see the heels get caught up. It's like, it's like, ma'am, are you all right? Did you break that heel? Oh, <laughs> you let me help you up. Now, you know, that was funny, right? <laughs> right? It's like, come on now, let me help you up. But let me just laugh a little bit now, because that's funny. Yeah, right? I'm yep. going to help you, but I'm, I'm just going to chuckle a little bit. And it's not that you fail. It was everything else that you did in the process, right? Yes. It was the sound you made and the attention that you attracted to yourself, right? Just fall to the ground. You know what, Coach? I mean, in all seriousness... Our topic is about the necessity of laughter. If you cannot laugh at yourself, I think you're taking life too seriously. I mean, I know there are certain personalities that tend to be more serious, but coach, if you look at me and you as far as the D aspect, typically we take things very serious. We don't like people messing with our stuff. We don't like people, you know, we want people to understand we take what we do seriously, but at the same time, we definitely can laugh at ourselves. And, you know, I remember um, when I had mono for like a year and a half, I was sick on the couch a lot. One of the things that I did is I watched funny shows and I would laugh. Mm -hmm. And I read mm -hmm. a study. Uh, it was in a book called Deadly Emotions. Um, I, I think it was Dr. Uh, Colbert is the name of the author. And he was talking about this man that had developed this rare disease where he, uh, and it has a name, I don't remember what it was, but all his nerve endings hurt. Uh, and it was like really, really bad pain. And uh, he was basically disabled, like walking you know, all the nerve endings, they're using his hands. His whole body was just like on fire, he said. And so he's disabled. He's depressed. He's sitting in his living room. He can't hardly sleep. Um, and he's just, you know, like really, I mean, I guess you could say to the point of being suicidal because what's life going to look like? There's no cure. There's not really much as far as pain medicine to ever make it go away. Well, he stumbled across this research and it was going on at a university. I think it was here in America, but it might've actually been Germany. I don't remember, but they were studying mm -hmm. the correlation that they had recently found between laughter and endorphins and knowing that endorphins is a natural painkiller. You know, like a lot of people that cut, they're trying to get endorphins going and, uh, yeah. So he thought, man, I would be a perfect study, you know, and, uh, but what he did is he decided to take action immediately, which I want people to hear that take action immediately. And he went mm -hmm. and he, he loved the three stooges. Now for me, I'm, they don't make me laugh. You know, I'm just like, I feel my IQ going down. Brain cells are dying off. I just don't want to watch the three stooges. Other people, they find it hilarious. Okay. So he goes and he bought all the Three Stooge movies and shows he could find. 
after, and I don't remember the time frame, I think it was about 36 hours, but that could be completely inaccurate. He noticed he wasn't hurting. Mm. So he, he called the university that was doing the research and he told them, he said, I stumbled upon what y'all are doing. I did a self-test. I'm not hurting. I think you guys need to, you need to do some tests on me. And before, you know, he knew it, long story short, um, they told him absolutely get down here. They started doing some tests. And as long as he has joy in his life, he does not hurt. And so he's very intentional on bringing that joy, especially laughter into his, uh, his, uh, wellness protocol. Well, you know, the great thing about that is that it's true for everyone. It is. I mean, you know, in this case right here, it just happened to be something that, uh, that he discovered out of an intense situation, right? But what he actually, what he discovered for himself is something that other people probably don't pay enough attention to because of where their focus is, right? So when you have the kind of persistent pain that this gentleman has been living with, right? It directs your mind to a place of seriousness essentially all the time, right? But the minute he he got a counter message. Is this really happening? And then he went into it more. He began to discover some to discover something, yeah. right? Well, we talk about changing our vibration all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what he did, right? They can call it, you can use any term you want to, right? But when he opened up his system with laughter, he felt very different than when his system is constricted. And that's one of the things that happens, right? You could say that what laughter does is it opens up the body. It allows it to flow. It allows it to heal, right? Yeah. This is one of the reasons why they tell you keep gratitude in front of you because gratitude keeps your body, your mind, your spirit, or whatever you want to call that open, whereas when you're constantly in a place of contemplation or let's say worry, right? Your system is constricted. Your blood flow is constricted, right? Um, Which means then that the valves and everything that are controlling the blood flow, your nerve flow, all of these things are similarly constricted. And the next thing you know, the person that's got a neck, shoulder, back pain, all of a sudden they no longer feel that way. Right. You know, coach, the, and, uh, the things you're saying, they're science. Um, I remember when I was being trained in heart math, um, and you know, people can look it up, but you know, we're electrical beings and yeah. our emotions have electricity or frequency. Our, um, organs, different organs have different frequencies. And one of the things that I learned in the heart math study is thinking about something that makes you angry for five minutes, lowers your immune system, your T cells, thinking about something that makes you happy for five minutes, increases your immune system. And it's six hours respectively. So you either lower it six hours or you increase it six hours. And they discovered that by drawing blood every hour and seeing where the T level, uh, T cell levels were. And the thing is, is that, um, in their studies, the fastest way, and they call it coherence, and I think it's like 1.1, mm-hmm. uh, is it 1.1 megahertz or, my, I, I don't remember, but the electrical 
frequency of what they call being coherence, meaning your heart rate, your uh, brain waves, and your respiratory rate are all in unison. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 1.1. And so that's, that's what they call coherence. So it means that it's kind of like a car. If you drive a car with the brake and the, the, the gas on, you're going to destroy your car. And so with coherency, everything is operating very well together and it reduces wear and tear, but it's a cooperation between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. One of the fastest ways to do that is appreciation. And we could call Mm -hmm. it gratefulness, but you know, when you're in a situation like that man, and then like I was with mono, you know, sometimes the condition of your body is so overwhelming. I think a hat just fell off your wall. But the, speaking of laughing, the situation is so dark that it's hard to be grateful, if that makes sense. Like you're hunting for something, but when all you see is bleakness and darkness, it's hard. And I think finding things that make you laugh is crucial to maybe get you out of that place. To I mean, does it make sense, Coach? Because sometimes it's hard to be grateful when you're miserable in your body. Yeah, so there are just, there are a number of different things. Um, But let's just start with this, right? Um, Coherence, alignment, we can use a number of different words, right? But joy is an active process. And Mm. and I think one of the things that um, when we're talking to people about feeling better, there's certain things that you have to understand um, how that process works. We talk about paying attention to what you consume in terms of energy, food, mm. um, which takes the form of um, any kind of medium. So when we use words like digest, assimilate, and eliminate, we're not just talking about the physical items that we drink or eat, but also the emotional and the psychological things that we consume yeah right so um when you say that we are energy electrical then what we're really saying is that there are things that either enhance the flow through your body or it restricts it right negativity is going to restrict it yeah right so we have to find ways to keep joy in front of our face and we have to recognize that there are forces, if you will, that are counter to that, mm-hmm. right? And so I can say to a person, be careful about the news. And they can say, well, I have to be informed. And I'll say, well, you can be informed, but you can still be um, mindful, circumspect, right? Yeah. Uh, prudent, because you have to learn how words are a- actually used because words are what we call cymatic frequencies, right? They affect your vibration mm-hmm. and they do and they're intentional, right? So there is a book called The Secret Message, Hidden Messages in Water. Have you ever heard of it? I think I've heard Hidden of the experience experiments, but not the book itself. Yeah, so um Yeah, I bought this book some time ago by Masuro Emoto. Mm -hmm. This is really, it's incredible work. 
and uh, basically they would just take certain words and uh, they take like water in a bottle or something and then they write love on it and on one they might write I hate you and then they would freeze them and this was conducted over years and the crystals in the water would form uniformly with positive expressions they would form in irregular patterns and with negative expressions. They actually were able to do this with water that was considered to be very polluted and not available to drink hmm. as well. It's the, the study is absolutely incredible. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. The human being is 70% water. That's what I was about to which say. Which is yeah. another way of saying, yeah, so which is another way of saying if you um um are not careful about what you allow in yourselves to consume, you can be sick. And that's one of the reasons why people get sick, you know, um depressed because they continue to ignore what they are consuming, yeah. right? And um I say this quite a bit these days. Being aware of something is not the same thing as being aware of how that affects you. Mm, that's right? good. You know, it's sort of like hiding something in plain sight, right? If you don't want somebody to look for something, hide it out in plain sight, yep. right? Um, if you want to, in this case right here, <laughs> You know, what we're talking about, you want to be happy, right? Then you have to understand how words can influence your ability to be happy. So let's just say, for instance, we want to be aware. We want to make sure that we're consuming information that makes sense, that we can act on what we call actionable intelligence. Yeah. So then you start to pay attention to key words, right? When you start hearing perhaps, maybe, um, and things that are speculative, then that tells you that there are no facts that are present at this point, mm -hmm. right? Get out of that. Get out of that, whatever it is that you're consuming, right? Because now you're consuming an opinion. And if you haven't understood how to decipher the language, now you're going around and you're carrying within your body an opinion that is disrupting you at the cellular level, mm -hmm. right? You know, and... Um, and for people who can have a tendency to get in what we call like the mind loop and they just can't stop thinking about what they're thinking about. Sometimes I'll tell them, it's like, look, shout out your name really loud. I had a guy do that one time. He was, he was in a loop. He's driving down the road. He's a state employee in an intense um, position dealing with all types of, uh, you know, employee management concerns. I mean, he's got a huge staff. Yeah. I'm like, look, you're going down the road and you just hear yourself just beating yourself to death with negative messages. I said, shout your name really loud at the top of your lungs in your vehicle and watch what happens. And he did it. <laughs> he said it was the strangest thing because when he did, he said he'd never heard it that quiet before. Right. Yep. It's like it shut down. And yeah. then it's like, okay, at that point, now you need to be able to stick something else in there. Yeah. And I said, here's the deal. You are bombarded with these types of messages 
okay, because it serves a purpose. But when you take it on, like we can do as people, sometimes we have to have other people to help us so we know how to get out of it. Yeah. Right. Because it's okay to think intensely and critically. It's okay to recognize that you can feel some anxiety or depression or whatever that is. These are flowing states. They are not permanent states, mm -hmm. right? And the difference between something being permanently etched in your brain is knowing how to get out of it. Yeah. Right? So that's what we do. We teach people how to get out of it, right? So it's like, okay, think critically and then step back and start laughing. Yeah. Right? Do everything you can, then step back and start laughing. Yeah. And I, I don't want people to miss how you are saying that joy is an active process. It's not just laughter. It's how, um, like what you eat, how you process what you see and hear, both internally and externally, like all of those factors, how you take care of your, your body. Um, so in laughter, you know, one of the definitions in the Greek mindset of joy is it can also, it can be anything from hilarity to calm delight. And one of the things that I teach in my um, persuade like a boss course is the happiness recipe. And it's not original. I've got who originally discovered this in there. I can't remember their name at the moment, but one is learning something new because it tells your brain you have a future. So it, it gives uh, a lot of joy, um, and hope to your, your emotions. And then, um, being expert in what you do is also a way to provoke happiness and then the final one is creating awe and creating awe is the easiest and the least expensive. And that can be something as simple as, you know, just being intentional at looking at your pet or going for a walk out in nature or, you know, even thinking about watching your favorite movie increases your endorphins about, I think, 20%. Yeah. So there's, it's the little things. I think people are so focused on the overall big picture or they're so myopic in their outlook, uh, you know, as, a, as an opposite that we need to get out of both of those depending on where we're at. So if you're like a big picture person, you need to, you definitely need to stop and smell the roses. You've got to have something that gives you that breathing room where you can have that calm delight or have something that makes you laugh with hilarity. But for those are, that are so myopic and on all the details, sometimes you need to get out and watch a sunset or a sunrise and shift your gaze into things that bring awe. You know, there is no big picture without first understanding the small picture mm -hmm. because the big picture it is the series of big pictures that that produce the larger landscape that we see, yeah. right? And um, sometimes looking down the road is what causes us to miss what's happening right now, right? Yeah. I mean, so we're talking about smiling and being happy and laughing. So I want to stay in that mind frame, but at the same time, I'm going to insert this piece here. Okay. When we tell you that you live moment by moment, that is not a theoretical concept. Mm -mm. That is a fact of life. Yes. You live moment by moment. And too many times people get caught forgetting that. And as somebody that used to work in the ER trauma center, mm -hmm. um, I 
I got a chance to see life and death in a way that was startling. Um, the family member that is like, hey, look, your husband just had a huge 15-foot, two-inch slab of concrete fall onto him. He is passing away as mm -hmm. we speak. Mm -hmm. um, and if people are like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Right? I'm standing there thinking, did you say you loved your wife and children this morning? Mm -hmm. Right? Um, I mean, because I've actually just watched them just like right mm -hmm. in front of me, Sherry. I'm like, holy smacks, right? You know, yeah. I'm not laughing right now, but I'm just saying watching the spirit leave the body right in front of my eyes. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. And I'm thinking this is how it is mm -hmm. every day, all day, everywhere across the planet. In each moment, somebody is leaving. Sure, somebody is coming. But what I'm talking to, to the listener, I'm saying that one of the first ways to experience joy and laughter is to never make an assumption on the moment that you are actually living, mm -hmm. right? And if you consider yourself to be a Christian or someone that is spiritual on any of those kind of levels, then you are the first person that needs to know that every moment, every second of your life is a blessing. So you're always looking at something to be happy about, you know, something that brings joy to you, something that you could be grateful for, right? Yeah. Because, because just like that, I mean, goodness gracious, I hate to say it, but I've seen it too many times and it forced me to really change my life and what, what my priorities were. It really did. I think one of, you know, along those lines, one of the greatest thieves of joy is not being present. Um, I was what? talking to a, a lady um, yesterday and um, she's uh, been given an opportunity to take on uh, more responsibility, more prosperity comes with that as well. And she's working on figuring out, okay, why do I freak out every time there's something new that I need to do? And it's, and it's not even like stuff she doesn't know how to do. It's just anything that comes in that is not normal or routine, it sends her into a tailspin. And one of the things that she started noticing is like when she goes to get her clothes, she's thinking about what she's going to wear tomorrow. When she goes to get her lunch, she's thinking about what she's going to eat for lunch tomorrow. And mm. I was looking at her and I said, well, you know, I usually have my plan, you know, because I eat pretty much the same thing all the time anyway. Um, but not not on the level you're referring to. I'm, I, I have no idea what I'm going to wear tomorrow unless I'm wanting to wear something specific because I decided, ooh, I think I'd like to wear that tomorrow. But there's not this need to have all the answers to tomorrow before tomorrow is here. And so that's robbing her of joy and it's robbing her of spontaneity, flexibility, and being able to take change, even good change, in a way that is beneficial. Instead, it causes a lot of emotional angst. But it's not being present being present in the moment, experiencing life is one of, I think one of the most important things we can pursue. 
Yeah. And, you know, and what you're talking about, again, is we're talking about let me let me help you to get your priorities straight. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you, you know, so right now, when I think about those people that are always living for tomorrow, always trying to stay ahead of what's happening, what you just described as not being present because they're always um, driven strategizing about what happens next mm -hmm. i'm saying hey guess what you're not alive right now you know mm. you're an automaton right you you live your life in in terms of contingency because you're really afraid right so the first thing i would say is you would need to prioritize your life so you know what's important so you can have joy in it if you have to stay in an existence where you're constantly i mean i can't imagine that when i go to put on some clothes i'm thinking about what i'm wearing the next day it's yeah. like you've lost you know thousands of moments right um, between now and then that you haven't lived because you're never present. Right. Yeah. And you can't have joy. You can't have, you can't enjoy your relationships or whatever you're in because you're always someplace else. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if that's what you're doing, then you have to ask yourself, which do you value most? Right. Mm. What do you value most? Because if you're tired of dealing with that anxiety and that angst, then you need to design your life differently. And if you think you don't have the power to do that, then you might as well quit and leave the planet right now. Yeah. And I like that. So, so it's, saying, it's the, the need, the contingency, leaving, living based on contingency, the what ifs, worst case scenarios, the plans you're missing the present moments, but it's also definitely a fear response, um, which we know always goes to some perceived loss that doesn't even exist. That's what, and, the, and this person's very cognizant. They know that this does not exist. What I'm doing and having contingency for, it's a myth. It doesn't exist. But getting to the root of that, like I just got through saying a moments earlier, there is a difference between having an awareness of something that exists and understanding the effect that it has on you. Yeah. So you can say, I know this is a myth. Well, no, you don't. You don't really know it mm -hmm. because you don't have control over yourself. Right. Right. You know, theoretically what you're saying, but what you are not aware of is the power that it actually has in directing your life. So until you can actually make that visual experience match up with what you know psychologically, you're under control of the thing that you're calling a myth, which is another way of saying that you don't really understand it as well as you think you do, right? Yeah. So again, um, knowing what gravity is and then jumping off of a building and experiencing are not the same thing. You know, Coach, <laughs> it that makes so much sense. Uh, uh, a phrase that used to irk me to no end that I hear among uh, Christ followers is, you know, the devil's been telling me this and the devil's been telling me th that. And I'm like, well, first of all, it's probably not the devil. It's probably you thinking those thoughts. But number two, then why are you believing it? I mean, I'm just, you know, the source, why are you taking it in and allowing it to impact your life. And it's exactly what you're talking about. And that's one thing I'll tell people, especially when I hear a lot of, I know, 
I'll hear, I know, I know this, I know that. I'm like, no, you don't. Because when you know it, you don't have to actually use that word, number one. Number two, it, you now experience the reality. All that you're in at this point is mental ascent. We've all been there where we, ha- we know that there's something that we're not walking in. And then we take the active steps to get into that experience. And, and so that it's almost like saying, I know is a way to deflect to me where it's like, I don't care about your knowledge because like you say, knowledge has to be applied and exercised or it's not really knowledge. And it's well, almost like they're trying to, and I don't think they consciously do it because I've done it before. You're almost like trying to verify that you know something when you know that you don't know. <laughs> Now I'm confusing myself. But do you understand what I'm saying, yeah, Coach? I do. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'm, I don't know if I got his last name correctly, but it's Leo Briscalia. Mm-hmm. To know and not to do is not to know. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um. So, again, it's so when, you know, what? so I'm, I'm an intelligence guy. I like intelligence. And I don't mean like IQ type intelligence, but I'm talking about the art of the influence intelligence, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, so I have a, one of the guys in my classroom, uh, a cohort, uh, he worked with the uh, army intelligence, but his intelligence was gathering information. Oh, uh, we heard this. They're going to move here. They're going to do that. No, that's not the group. I'm, I'm talking about they outnumber us um, five to one. So how do we get the, that superior numerical army or a group of people to behave a certain way. Yeah. That's the type of intelligence that I'm talking about. Right. So it's like, Hey, we do this. And the next thing you know, people start walking out with their hands up. Okay. We don't want to fight anymore. How did you convince them to do that? Right. Well, again, it's really important that one of the chief challenges that people can have is when they say they know not being anchored in the body with that statement. That's mm. what you just got through talking about. Okay. I know this is a mythology. No, you don't know that, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, if when you understand, when you can acknowledge how it's affecting you, now you know. Because once you can acknowledge how it's affecting you, your brain takes you to the next step, which is action. What do you do, yeah. right? So if you eat something... And the first time it's like, I I ate something and I I don't really feel good. But you had a number of different things on your plate. So you don't know which one it is, right? Yes. So the next time you go back and it's like, you know, the last time I ate that, I didn't feel good. So now you start looking at everything else on the plate. Uh, Well, you taste this. That's not it. Then you go to the next thing and the next thing. And then when you hit that other one, it's like, that's it. Guess what happens? You never eat it again. Yeah. Right. Or you never go into that experience again, or you stop whatever that behavior is, because that's what real knowledge does. Right. Real knowledge allows us to make changes that help us to navigate whatever that experience is. Right. So. If I know that I can't work in certain types of conditions, you can't pay me enough money. Right. Right. 
you can't throw enough money at me to work in that condition because it's like, look, that hurts me, right? So what you're trying to do is you're saying to me, Greg, coach, if you take this position we're offering you, we're going to pay you a bunch of money. I said, yeah, you probably are, but I'll be dead in a season, Yeah. right? Because the minute I think about going into that environment, I can already feel my body start to respond. My body says, you do not agree with that, right? So intellectually, I cannot fool myself into thinking that I can do something that my body has clearly told me that I cannot. And so this is what we want people to be able to understand. When you're talking about making change, you have to be able to separate a theory and a statement that you use that you habitually make with what you actually experience. Anxiety and depression, right, from certain news or information is telling you that your internal experience does not like what you are forcing yourself to do. Yeah. Right? So in this case right here, the lady says, I know this is a myth. I don't know why I'm doing that. It's like, yep. But if you go to that coffee shop right now, and you get that cup of coffee and you sit down with your girlfriends or whoever that is and you're ignoring it, right? You don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You really, really don't know. And this is why, um, again, you know, so many things can happen to people because they confuse what they think they know with what they're actually experiencing, right? That's it's good. It's kind of like, you know, so... You know, chips, it's like, hey, look, if you're in a relationship, you get up in the morning, kiss that man or woman that you're with. Let them know that you love them every single day, Mm -hmm. every moment you get, right? Give them some hugs, you know? So I'm that guy who is kind of like, you know, crazy and slightly irreverent. So if there's guys out there listening, I'm like, hey, when you look at that lady that you like, you love her, it's like, reach over there and bite her. Bite her, bite her on the arm or something like that. It's like, give her a kiss and then bite her on the arm. It's like, ah, just pinch her just, just hard enough. And she's like, ouch. And then you say, I love you. And then you walk out the door. And then she's like, you bit me on the arm. And then when you walk out the door, she's rubbing the arm. She's like, you know what? I like that. <laughs> you know. And then the next thing. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, coach. I was just going to say, I was just going to say that what happens is, so when she gets past the idea that he, you know, that bite on the arm, boy, that I can still feel that. But then she remembers not only what he said, but the look that he had in the eye when he looked at her. Mm-hmm. He said, I love you. I'm so glad you're in my life. I want you to have a great day. Smack. And then out the door he goes. <laughs> and then, you know, and she's sitting there thinking, that guy's really whatever he is that day. But something, some part of her settles down on the fact that he shared an experience that went right past the conscious mind, right into her soul. And she says, my husband loves me, mm-hmm. right? And when that actually hits in her body in a certain way, she will feel something that she won't feel in other experiences, right? This is what we're trying to tell people. These are the things that really lead to a wonderful long life. Make sure that you love and that you're loving other people, right? Don't 
underestimate the power of loving, yeah. right? Yeah. This joy is springing from that, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, I can love the work that I do, but I need something else. Mm-hmm. It can't just be the work, right? Yeah. So I got my dogs, right? We go to the mountains, you know, my wife is telling, she's talking, bah, 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 bah. And it's like, oh, guess what? That's what she, when when we start traveling, she's talking. It was like, oh my <laughs> God, you got a lot in your mind. Go ahead on, just talk, da, 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 da. right? And when she's talking, I can look to the side and see her eyelashes and her eyelashes are all curled up because she's really, really happy. And I'm sitting over here thinking, holy shit, she's really, really happy. And I'm happy, right? And then all of a sudden, here we are, we all walking in the snow and the dogs are barking and running and rolling around in the snow and stepping on ice and dealing with that. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, this is life. Yep. This is blessing. This is a moment, right? And nothing can intrude in this moment. And so... To the listener, I'm saying, find the moment, right? Always find the moment. You know, I keep saying this, and I know sometimes people can say, Coach, I don't know if I understand that. When I tell them that civilization is not the real world, it's a construction. It's built on top of the real world. That's why there was a town here before Clovis. It's gone. Clovis is built on top of that, right? Mm -hmm. When Clovis is gone, There'll be something that's built on top of Clovis and so on and so forth, right? But what remains standing is real. The people that are walking the planet are real. Your job, you can be in a great job one day and the next day you find that you've either been laid off or you have to quit or close the business. So the one thing that's real is the person. Yeah. Right? So we always want to direct a person to doing things that you love so you feel good, right? You know, make sure that you feel good. And then you pass it on to other people. You know what it's like when you walk into a business and it feels good because everybody in there is happy. Yep. Right? Yep. That's what we want people, you know, we want you to be able to, to do that. It's like, you know, stay in love, right? That's not some 1960 flower power, whatever you want to call that. Don't let anybody fake you out from doing things that make your heart feel good yeah you never want to you never want to trade a dollar bill for being able to feel authentically good i know too many people it's like when you get off of that boat when you get out of that ride or you leave the job and you go to your 500 plus thousand dollar home and your relationships are shit. Yes. Excuse my language, right? Yeah. So the only thing you have now is a company yep. that makes money, Yep. right? Boy, that is a miserable person right there. Yes, it right? is. You know, you've heard the story, guy real super rich, but he can't tell anybody who he really is because his relationships aren't authentic. Guess what? He's trapped. Yeah right? He's trapped. He has the, we have all these stories. The guy has to 
live like a pauper and then meet somebody to find out to see if they truly love them. Well, here's the thing, right? They're going to love that guy and then they're going to say, oh, but you also are worth $400 million. <laughs> She's going to change. Yep. Yep. So don't hide it. Just like, hey, this is who I am right now. Let's hang out. Because yeah. you, you might as well let her deal with who you are as a multi-billionaire than to think that you're just a regular Joe and then she finds out that you're worth more than certain countries. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't work. That's television. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. No, I like that. Work. I like that, Coach. And, you know, I think along the same lines, um, I mean, the people, I mean, it's so key, but also... You know, like, and and I want to preface this and and end this way where t- take things seriously, but don't take them too seriously. In other words, you know, like I live life very intensely, but I also have very intense rest, calmness, fun, um, and I don't take mistakes like I used to. So I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say, you know, do what you love well, mm-hmm. um, whether that's being with your loved ones, a hobby, a passion, your, your work or whatever it is. But at the same time, you know, you need to be able to laugh at that and you need to be able to um, just, I guess I'd say, let your hair down and don't take life so seriously. I see that people are so focused like you were talking about on the externals coach, not those moments in the car with their significant other. You know, I just, you know, my background, um, medical background, working in trauma, you know, working with couples and seeing different things and just the people that I've met over the years is, it's not a great, it's not a great trade out, right? Yeah. It's not a, it's not a great trade out. And, um, like, this is this is my joy right here. Yep. Can you see? I can see know, the top of his head with his wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There he and, is. Um, and this guy right here, he helps me to stay in the moment. Because he doesn't know anything about five minutes from now. Like, so it's time for him to eat, right? Yeah. So he just made a little bit of a, hmm, right? Well, he's so like, Dad, it's time to get come out of that is good. Yeah. So I would agree, Sherry, that we we have to be focused on the work that we're required to do. But that's a small portion of what our life is. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's where we can get lost. We okay, the the priority is 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 misaligned. That's good. And so we're saying don't misalign your priority. Right. Yes. You know, stay, stay with it. You know, understand it's like work hard if you need to. Take care of all of those things that that give you your material reward. But understand all of that stuff um, is temporary. It, it is. comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Right. Your car is only brand new one time. Yep. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So. You have to understand that. So it's like, you better know when you buy that vehicle, right? It's like, it's only brand new one day, right? So after that, 
if if you're the kind of person that feels like your your head is on a swivel, you're never going to be happy. You'll be buying a brand new car every day, right? You know, <laughs> yes. so you know you have to you have to prioritize and get a dog. <laughs> That's right, and get one that likes to talk to you, right? Ain't that right? You know? uh, we better let you feed him. He's about to get real talkative. So yeah. He, he, all right. So um, don't forget to leave us a review. Uh, that helps our show get up there in the charts. And uh, in our show notes, we have contact information. If you have any ideas or thoughts you want to share and be on the lookout for the uh, coaching intensive doors opening up in January.